Welcome to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers. Welcome to the Landwards podcast today. I'm your host, Andy Newbold, editor of Landwards, and I am joined today by a voice and a face known to many. Um, I'm joined today by Alistair Taylor in his role as Chief Licence Reviewer for the Society of the Environment. Good morning, Alistair. Yeah, morning, Andy. Good to see you. Nice to see you too. Uh, and thank you for joining us today. Could you just maybe start by telling us a little about the Society for the, the Environment for the uninitiated, Alistair? Oh, I think you have to turn the clock back about uh, 20 years or so ago. Um, the, the, there was a movement to um, bring a level of professionalism to the environmental industry. And uh, the Society of the Environment was formed to do that. And the Institution of Agricultural Engineers was actually one of its founding fathers. So in many ways, it's like so many of the other um, organizations which oversee professionalization of different sectors. And so you, you can imagine we, we've got the likes of the accountants and the chartered um, engineers, and we've got the um, surveyors, and all these organizations who oversee professionalism in a particular sector. So the Society for the Environment was formed to do just that, to um, oversee the registration of professional people working in the environmental sector. And it's interesting to me, when I look back at how I got involved and think about my whole career, uh, the environment right at the beginning of my career, I think was one of those aspects which was seen as being on the margins. It wasn't always taken as seriously as it should have been done. But as things have turned out, we find the environment has gone right to the top of the agenda. So the Society for the Environment, in, in my view, and the, and the founding fathers of it, were ahead of their time in terms of seeing the need for a level of professional registration and recognition for people working in the environmental sector. So they oversee the registration of professional environmentalists from their office based in Coventry. And they do other things as well. They get involved with um, public affairs and commenting on government activities and developments which um, impact upon the environment as well. So uh, quite a voice for the environment and um, I'm very proud to be involved with the Society for the Environment because it espouses something which is deep in my own personal beliefs really. Well thank you for that. So so how did you initially get involved with the SOCEMBA? Well twofold really. Right back when they were formed I had the opportunity to apply to become a chartered environmentalist. Um, which I did, and I'm trying to think back when I did that. It probably been the early 2000s, probably 2002, 2003, when I applied to become a chartered environmentalist and went through the process of talking about what I did to support the environment and how I met the particular requirements. And looking back then, I was involved in teaching, so I was doing some work, as, as a, many agricultural engineers would, around waste management and the design of buildings and the uh, thought about uh, pesticides application, spraying, fertilizer, all those things which are right at the heart of our work as agricultural engineers. So um, I was able to put forward a proposal to demonstrate my competence in terms of promoting environmental best practice. So I was then registered through the institution's membership committee to be a registered a chartered environmentalist and that's a um, registration I carry with real pride and um, I think it makes a real statement about my commitment to the environment and we can talk about that more a little bit in the, fu in the future when we look at some of the specific requirements but that's how I got involved to start with but then later on when I started working for the institution as their chief exec that put me onto various 
committees um, as part of the role, for example, the Council for the Society for the Environment, uh, and also a committee called the Registration Authority. And that's the committee which oversees the standards to make sure the standards are being upheld, uh, to, make, to review the standards, to make sure that the content of the chartered environmentalist registration is, is fit for purpose and up to date and so on, and deals with the nitty gritty of that. So that was part of my job to get involved with that. But something I found really interesting and enjoyable, met some wonderful people and had some very interesting debates about the environment and um, how it should be uh, registered. And uh, so that was really part of my work. And of course, now I've moved on to a, a different stage of my career. I was asked to become the license reviewer or the chief license reviewer. Interestingly enough, picking up from someone who, from the Institution of Agriculture Engineers who did it previously, Ralph Alcock. Uh, so um, for the Institution of Agriculture Engineers to be one of 24 licensed bodies, uh, but to have that oversight of the license for all of those 24 and to get involved with that is something I'm rather proud of, not just personally, but for the institution as a whole. So yeah, it's ripped through my veins as an environmentalist myself, but also in terms of the day-to-day the -day administration of the systems which back up professional registration. So, so going, going on to, um, neatly, on to um, professional registration with, with the Society for the Environment, can you, can you talk us through what being a registered environmentalist means and the, um, you know, wh where that stands? Well, I think you've got to sort of look at it in its widest sense and look at professionalism more broadly. And, and of course, um, if you are a business, you probably will have your accounts completed by a chartered accountant. If you're a farmer, you'll probably have your land valued by a chartered surveyor. If you're an engineer in many of the big companies we deal with, the expectation is that you'll be a chartered engineer. There's, of course, chartered scientists. And so it's a a level of registration which is pretty widespread across many industries and chartered environmentalists like all of these i think makes a statement about you as an individual and the level of professionalism which you espouse in your work and so if we look at all of the industries which are involved with um, the environment you, you know you look, th think about it really there's there's so many broad industries which touch upon the environment you know the water industry for example the uh, conservation nature uh, trees and, and uh, organizations like the national trust and, and such like all very heavily involved in protecting the environment and promoting good environmental practice the likes of natural england and i think one of the positive things you, you see coming through from the likes of natural england is their expectation that if someone's bidding to deliver a contract, they would rather hope to see chartered environmentalists as part of the criteria, uh, demonstrating the quality of those individuals involved. So I think as the environment has gone right up the agenda, I think the whole um, business of having professional people to promote, promote professional practices, not just in this country, but internationally as well, has become a really, really important feature. Um, I'm not sure I'm answering your question here, Andy, but one of the things I would comment is I think the agricultural industry has some way to go. And I think there's great opportunities for the agricultural industry in all these guises to become more involved with having professionally registered environmentalists at the helm. And certainly, if you look at farming, look at soil science, look at best practices with um, soils and agrochemicals and fertilizers and manures and 
digesters, and all those things right at the heart of agricultural engineering. All of those dip one toe into the environment. And I think in the agricultural sector more broadly, the Institution of Agricultural Engineers and the Institute for Farm Management are the two which promote this level of professional registration uh, for the sector we deal with. But personally, I think more farmers could be chartered environmentalists, more people at the very front line of delivering our food in a sustainable and safe way should be thinking about using the chartered environmentalist status as a means of showing to their customers and the people that they serve that they are putting every effort they can into protecting the environment and to, to upholding those principles. And so I think that answers your question, but that's my passion. And that's where I think the future lies with something like Charter's environmentalist. Well, it, it, it frames the discussion in, in you know, a benchmark for, for doing the job properly, doesn't it? In whatever context and whatever guise uh, in the world world of the environment. So, you know, that's, that's a very, very succinct and well put case, Alistair. Thank you. Um, so let's look at specifically at professional registration for the Society of the Environment. Can you walk us through the route? I mean, and, you know, have in mind the people who are listening to this podcast um, and where they're at, because I guess there's more than one way to become a, uh, a, a registered professional member of the Society for the Environment? I think there's two, two ways you have to look at this. Um, the first stage really is to think about the learning and the development someone goes through during what I'm going to call their formation stage. Because many people will have been to university and will have a master's degree uh, in some sort of environmental background uh, and that's a great starting point because not not everyone has that I didn't have that but what I did have was um, what I'm going to call experience from the university of life doing things yeah. which about are about protecting the environment so I was able to draw upon my lifelong learning as regards things that relate to the environment and so it's a very inclusive process but the expectation is that someone will have formed their knowledge and their understanding um, uh, to start with in the environment and the further aims of sustainability um, through whatever means that might be. So a, a good starting point for anyone looking to become a registered professional environmentalist is their CV, to log what they've done, what they've learned, not just the formal education they've attended, but the jobs that they have done, which have allowed them to develop the competence, the knowledge and the understanding yeah. to become a registered professional environmentalist. Because the other side is the competence, and that's the um, the things that people do on a routine, daily basis. And I'm just going to run through some of the criteria, actually, from the uh, competencies associated with chartered environmentalists. Um, just a few of the headlines. There's four of them. The first one is about the application of knowledge and understanding of the environment to further the aims of sustainability. So that's about underpinning knowledge. It's about um, analysing, evaluating problems, coming up with solutions across the various challenges which we face. The second area is about leading sustainable management for the environment. So that's about what an individual does to promote the behavior and cultural change needed, how they might promote a strategic approach, how they might demonstrate leadership and management skills in, in the environment, and uh, those sorts of things which they will be doing to promote and develop the environment. The third area is about communication and interpersonal skills um, and uh, how people put forward the environmental case. And I'd like to hope that I'm demonstrating that today through this podcast about my passion, what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, and also the ability to 
liaise, negotiate, to deal with conflict, to advise others. Final area is about the personal commitment to these professional standards, you know, the recognition to, to, to your obligations to society, the professional, you know, what someone might do as an individual to promote others to promote the environment, how they might um, take on board best environmental practice in their personal life, how they might deal with any ethical dilemmas which they face. So, you know, and I'm going to, that's a funny thing, you know, the bins at my house get collected every Thursday, every, and every other Thursday we have a bin which we put the plastic waste into. And every time I look at that, that bin which goes out to the um, waste collection services every other Thursday, I have an ethical dilemma about the amount of plastic packaging which is in there, which makes me think, what can I do to reduce my um, plastic packaging at home in, in my life, you know, and composting and, and things like that. I know that's right at the very personal end of it, uh, which is the polar opposite to undertaking a master's degree, for example. But it is all of those things which um, uh, someone has to develop competence in. Now, they would obviously put this all into a CV, really. That's the best way of, of gathering that information is, in, is through a really good quality CV. I agree actually helps people here because we, we give people a form which they can fill in, which is an appendix to their CV, which allows them to outline the things they do in their life to um, fulfill those requirements. If that's assessed as being to the required standard, the individual then will be invited in for what we call a professional review interview, a PRI, where they will talk about their work. And in just a few moments, I might just run through some of the things I've observed in my time at the I agree without sort of going into the detail of individuals concerned, but just to talk about some of the work which people have been doing within the environment, which has impressed me greatly. And I'll talk about that now. We think of one gentleman who was involved with the emissions from diesel engines who wanted to become a chartered environmentalist. Someone else who was involved with uh, the distribution of electricity and his interest was in making sure that when the distribution authorities went onto site to put up pylons and things that the soil was protected and that you know there was no damage left behind when they'd been a, across the field to put up a pole route. Someone else comes to mind was involved with irrigation on, on golf courses. Another person, this is a gentleman in Africa, and he was involved with um, the building of dams and the collection of water for helping farmers to have sufficient water to grow things. Um, I think that was in Kenya. So a broad, broad raft of people doing all sorts of very interesting work, all which all touches upon the environment. And to actually attend a PRI and hear individuals talking about these things, we always say a PRI should last about 45 minutes. We often find ourselves still talking ab about it after an hour and 45 minutes because it is so interesting. People do amazing jobs. So interesting. There's a little bit about how someone could apply to get involved. I think the starting point really is, is to have a really good quality CV, which talks about what the individual has done. And can I just say there that if anyone's thinking about this, uh, the sort of CV that you would use for getting a job is not what we're looking for. We're looking for something much more detailed and comprehensive. And also one which goes against everything which you were told as a young person, because it's all about you. It's all about me. It's I did this. I did that. I did the other. And uh, so don't be ashamed of bigging yourself up and selling yourself hard against the various criteria. And that doesn't always come easy to people, but that's one of the things uh, you have to do to do a really good job and to really nail this. I think that answers your question quite sufficiently, I think. It does, yes, Alistair. And um, just finally, do you want to tell us a little about 
becoming the chief licensed reviewer for the Society of the Environment, because that that in itself is is a no mean feat. And while you might well, you know, in your true humble way, say that you just hang around long enough and things like this happen, but you know, to be the chief licensed reviewer from you know candidates from lots and lots of other professional engineering institutions and professional bodies is no mean feat. So just tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, before I do that, I'm just going to start by saying a little bit about the um, the licensed bodies which form the Society for the Environment. And currently there's 24 of them. And uh, I've just got a, in front of me a few of the names. I'll just share some of these with you. Now, for example, the Institute for Water, the Royal Society of Chemistry, the Institute of Chemical Engineers, the Arboriculture Association, SIWEM, who are the Chartered Institute of Waste and um, Environmental Management Engineers, uh, the Institute of Chartered Foresters, the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining, um, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, and not least, the Institution of Agricultural Engineers. We've also got the Nuclear Institute on board, and you, you, you know, the thought that you've got people who work in the environment with the nuclear industries might be alien to a few people, but my word, I think uh, there's a huge responsibility within that particular sector to make sure we look after the environment. So all these license bodies, every five years, they have to make sure their license is renewed. They have to make sure they are, um, when they're assessing people to become um, chartered environmentalists and um, environmental technicians for that matter, that they all have the proper systems and procedures in place. So the chief license reviewer has some terms of references and this is something I applied to do. So it wasn't something I was given. Um, and I suppose my background, many people will know I've worked in quality, quality assurance for quite a big part of my career. So my background was really suitable to fulfill this role. And so the chief license reviewer has a job of um, making sure that all those people involved with conducting license reviews. And this is a peer review process, by the way. So people from different license bodies will go and look at their fellow license bodies to, to assess what's going on. But the chief license reviewer oversees all of that, makes sure that uh, the, uh, the reviewers are properly trained, that they are consistent in their work, that they um, don't overassess or don't underassess. I mean, it's interesting. Standards are standards, and um, we don't want people to be underassessing the standards. But actually, by the same token, we don't want people to be setting too high a bar either. The standard is the standard, isn't it? So it's making sure those standards are maintained. It's obviously getting involved with license reviews and attending them to, to help conduct them. But also it's, uh, it's dealing with consistency, it's sampling reports, it's making sure we're consistent in our work in terms of the standard we maintain, reporting back to the uh, board of the Society for the Environment on that, um, providing training, dealing with obviously any disputes and issues which arise on the way um, and inevitability. Of, of those which come up from time to time so that's a bit of a tough side of the job but really it's about making sure that we are consistent in you know, the application of the uh, standards which are associated with registration as a professional environmentalist um, and uh, I think that covers it really uh, it's an emerging situation really I haven't got my teeth into it quite yet and there's some more work to do to fully understand what's required and one might understand that at this particular moment in time, license reviews are suspended or they're happening online as well. So um, I've already got involved to some extent by observing a couple of license reviews 
as an external observer to observe the process and to make sure that it's all done fairly and properly, which it was, I might add, um, and to make sure the standard is maintained. I don't view it as a, as, as a, as a job which is going to take up every waking hour, but uh, throughout the year to dip into that process and to make sure that the standards are being upheld as they should is something which is the duty of the chief license reviewer. I think that answers your question, Andy. I'm sure you will help keep keep everybody to their mark, Alistair. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for that. Well, look, just you know, on behalf of myself and the listeners of the podcast, thank you very much for your time today, Alistair. I have thoroughly enjoyed having an insight into the personal and the professional with regard to the Society for the Environment and your role and, uh, you know, fo following on into a journey of professional registration, which I hope will be of great benefit to the listeners. So thank you again, Alistair. Thank you very much. Can I just add, before we finish there, Andy, well, it's been a great pleasure to uh, share my passion for this subject, but I know that the institution is planning a, a sort of a Zoom conference call sometime in July where people who are interested in becoming chartered environmentalists can join and find out more about it. Um, I think I'm going to be leading on that. So uh, I would suggest that uh, people keep a lookout for that. And if they want to come and find out more specifically about what they need to do and look at some of the paperwork, albeit online, I'll look forward to inviting them and allowing them to get involved. Andy, you might do it yourself. There you go. Well, you know, now I've got time on my hands and I'm twiddling my thumbs, Alistair. That's, now's the time, isn't it? Now's the time while we're all grounded. Anyway, thanks Absolutely. again, Alistair. Um, it's been a pleasure. For more information, visit www.iagri.org. You have been listening to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers.